Welcome to the Talking with Tata podcast. I'm your host, Andy Schneider. Each week, we invite different specialists to give advice and information about raising children in today's environment. Today's podcast guest is Sarah Linnell, who is a pediatric dentist. We talk about how to prepare your child for their first dental visit, preventing bad dental habits, if x-rays are really safe for your child, and more. One thing that I want you to pull from this episode is her opinion on tongue and lip ties. We see many patients who struggle with, um, or at least parents who struggle with their child who possibly is not latching on during feeding, cannot sit from a cup, and they notice that they are not sticking their tongue out. Sarah talks a lot about when to actually address a tongue and a lip tie and the signs and symptoms of it. So I'm excited for you all to listen today. If your child is young and having milk throughout the night in a bottle or is put to bed with milk in a bottle, you have to, have to, have to brush their teeth after. Milk has sugar in it. This is even breast milk. And a lot of parents don't know that they need to be brushing their teeth after. Today's Tata's tip of the week is when to address a tongue and lip tie. Many people write into us every week saying, my child is not latching on. My child is colicky. I notice that my baby cannot stick out his or her tongue. What should I do? Immediately go and see your pediatrician. There is an option called a phrenectomy where they basically laser and cut the tongue and lip ties, whichever one your child might have. There's so many symptoms that people don't think about. Everybody thinks of breastfeeding, maybe latching onto the nipple. That's not just it. Your child might have reflux, clicking noises when feeding. There might be pain for the mom on her breast, poor weight gain, excessive drooling. Eventually, if it's not addressed, this can um, lead to articulation errors as the child has difficulty protruding and sticking out their tongue. So there's so many more symptoms that you need to be aware of rather than just latching on during breastfeeding. I always tell patients, if you are concerned, see your pediatrician. If you do choose to do a phrenectomy, there are exercises you can do before the procedure and after. I typically do suggest that if you will do this procedure, do it as young as possible. There are fewer nerve endings at that young age, so it will be a very quick and painless procedure. Your child might cry for a few minutes. Afterwards, as the healing continues, you do exercises. You put a glove on and, you know, I can post these on my page. Just different exercises to build up the strength of the muscles again. And again, my tip is see the specialist as soon as possible if there is any concern. Best case scenario, you don't have to do anything. Worst case, let's say, is that you get this procedure done and you addressed it as soon as possible. And that's Tata's tip of the week. I'm excited to welcome Sarah Linnell, pediatric dentist, to today's podcast episode. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, I'm so happy to be with you. We are excited for you to be here. Why don't you start us off? Tell us about a little bit about yourself and what you do as a pediatric dentist. Yes. First of all, I'm so excited to finally be speaking with you. I feel like you and I have been trying to figure out a way that we can collaborate for like so way long. before you even had a podcast. 100%. So I'm so glad yes. we finally like found this outlet. Me too. Um, but I am a pediatric dentist, so I did four years of dental school and then two years in a specialty residency studying, you know, pediatrics, working with kids. Now I work in two private practices. One is called Happy Kids. 
which has locations in Manhasset and Brooklyn. And most recently, we opened an office in the North Fork. And I also work at a practice called Bright Healthy Smiles that has locations on the Upper East Side and Soho. Wow. So you can find me everywhere and anywhere. All over New York. Got it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So we see kids as early as newborns up to like 18 or 21 years old. But yes, both practices, we only see kids. So we're specialists in children. Okay. So we have a lot of questions for you when it comes to children and really just preparing the child. So let's start off. When should a parent really first bring their child to see the dentist? So according to the AAPD, which is the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry, you should bring your child to the dentist within six months of their first tooth or by age one. That being said, I would say most parents do bring their kids closer to age two. This is because like at this age, they have a better understanding of what the dentist is, why we brush our teeth, and you can prepare them a little bit more. But we want to have that early initial visit just to talk about what you should be doing at home and instill those good habits early on. Okay. So somewhat like speech therapy, the earlier, the better, even though yes, there's technically an age for it. Can't hurt to go see a dentist as soon as possible. For sure. Like you, you don't have to have all, your baby doesn't have to have all of their teeth in order to come see the dentist. A lot of the times it's just really a conversation with the parents, like what they should be doing at home. I always say this cavities are the most preventable childhood illness. The problem is, is that people don't know parents don't know what they should be doing at home. So it's really just about having the knowledge to like know what you should be doing. And also, you know, like brushing your baby's teeth is not necessarily an easy thing. Like I can totally sympathize with that struggle. I have a nine month old myself. She doesn't like when I brush her teeth, Um, but it's just something that is a a non-negotiable. Like you have to do it at home. It, it is so much easier than getting your child into a situation where they have cavities and then those need to be treated. Absolutely. So do baby teeth really matter? Yes, baby teeth matter. So baby teeth hold the space for the permanent teeth and baby teeth can get cavities. They're actually, baby teeth are, it's easier to get a cavity on a baby tooth than it is on a, a permanent tooth a lot of the time. Interesting. Because yeah, the enamel, which is the outer surface of the tooth, is a little bit thinner. So, you know, cavities can spread quicker in baby teeth. Cavities can cause pain. They can cause infection. Children miss school for dental appointments. Like, yeah. And these infections can also spread to the permanent teeth and also through the body. So we want to make sure that, that we are keeping the baby teeth healthy. Obviously, we need our baby teeth just like how we need our adult teeth to speak, to eat, to smile to talk, all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Bringing it back to speech therapy, talking, swallowing, everything, eating. Um, Our fields overlap a lot. All right. So this is extremely helpful. How do you prepare your child for this visit? We have a lot of people who wrote in saying, you know, my child is two, four, six, whatever, however old. And the kids are terrified because they see the dentist as the doctor. How would you suggest, you know, you have your nine month old daughter. How are you preparing her for her first visit to the dentist? So, at her age, you know, I we brush our teeth together. So she is, you know, learning that brushing your teeth is something that not it's not something that she only she has to do. I do it. Dad does it. We can do it together. It can be fun. Like 
try, I, I try to give her the toothbrush to like play with, play with a little bit, like let her feel like she has a little bit of control over the situation. You know, we read books a lot of the times that, you know, we're talking about baby's morning routine and baby's nighttime routine. And like baby wakes up, baby has a bottle, baby brushes her teeth. So she sees that this is something that, you know, people are doing, kids are doing, yep. like not just her. So I would say at, at a young age, like just exposing your child through books. There's a bunch of books that we recommend that like parents love, like Peppa Pig, Daniel yep. Tiger has an episode about going to the dentist, like Bernstein Bears. That's something that I remember as a kid. Like, so that gets a little bit more into like what actually happens at a dental visit. One thing to, you know, be super like mindful of children feed off of parents' anxiety, especially when it comes to the dentist. So you want to talk about the dentist in positive terms. Like, you know, you're, I'm so excited to take you to the dentist today. Mommy and daddy go to the dentist. They get their teeth brushed and it feels so good to get your teeth brushed. So just making the, the dentist out to be like a fun experience. Mm -hmm. Also like pediatric dentist office are equipped with all types of things that children love. Like we have TVs on the ceiling and they can pick their flavor toothbrush and uh, their flavor toothpaste. And, you know, they can pick a toothbrush, they get prizes, like yeah. all of these kinds of things to make it like fun and approachable. So that, you know, it really doesn't have to be a scary experience. And that's what's so important about like bringing children early because they start to develop a positive association with going to the dentist. So going to the dentist can be fun. I get my teeth brushed, you know, I get my teeth counted and then I get prizes. But the dentist is only easy and fun if you do what you need to do at home to prevent your child from ever needing any, you know, other type of treatment. Absolutely. And what you're saying, so the books modeling how you, you, you and your husband are the ones like brushing your teeth with your daughter. Again, bringing back to speech therapy here, it's the same thing. We model speech. We use books as an example. I love the Daniel Tiger one. I think, you know, it's the same with potty training. Like expose them to the good of the world and the good of like your field so that they're not scared of it. I also think feeding off your energy. If you are talking negatively about the dentist, obviously you won't be, but a lot of parents do and they associate it with a doctor, but like making it a fun trip for your child. I remember when I was growing up, my dentist had a like a mouth mold, I guess. It was basically a toy and I would brush the teeth of the uh, mouth when my dentist was in my mouth. And I had a lot of braces and all these different things. I saw orthodontist, but it was kind of fun and I loved choosing like my bubblegum toothpaste. So everything you're saying makes plenty of sense and it seems so easy. I just think parents need to be reminded of it a lot more. Yeah, like just get the kid involved. And we have, you know, we have stuffed animals in the office and big toothbrushes, big mirrors. So the kids can kind of like do a dental exam on the stuffed animal before we do it on them. We we tell them everything, we show them everything, like we really walk them through it. So I, they feel like they're a part of it. And it's not just someone like sitting them in a chair and getting in there and, you know, all these scary instruments. We make it approachable for them. So like a saliva ejector is a straw. And, you know, an explorer, a dental instrument is a tooth counter kind of thing. So, you know, making it relatable and just yep. not, not scary. Absolutely. I think that's perfect. So we spoke about, you know, brushing your child's teeth, how it matters. 
how else can you suggest that we prevent bad dental habits? You know, maybe older children, flossing. Do you have any recommendations for our parents? So you want to introduce your child to the toothbrush and brushing like as soon as you see a tooth pop, in, pop up in their mouth. You can start with a fluoride toothpaste. You just want to use the size of a grain of rice on the toothbrush. Okay, so very because, little. Yes, we, we completely you know, understand that the child is going to be swallowing and not know how to spit at this yeah. age. But that's why we say, you know, if they're under three, use just the size of a grain of rice because it's okay that they swallow that amount of toothpaste. We want them to get the fluoride exposure. The fluoride will work on their baby teeth and also get incorporated into their developing teeth. New York City has fluoridated water, but it is location specific. So you do want to find out based on where you live, whether or not your water is fluoridated. I actually don't, is it in Miami? I'm actually not sure of that. And you're making me want to research it. Yeah, we're gonna, we need to look into that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so start brushing morning and night. Okay. Um, just less than three size of a grain of rice. Over three, you can increase to a pea size amount on the toothbrush. Interesting. You want to start flossing when you notice your child's teeth touching. So spacing is good in the baby teeth. It's self-cleansing. It often means that we have enough room for the permanent teeth. But as children grow, get a little bit older, their teeth will come together and close. And so that's when you want to start flossing. Brushing in the morning, brushing at night, flossing at night, ideally. Let's talk nutrition for a few minutes. Okay. So this is, this is kind of confusing because there are things that are good for you that are not necessarily good for your teeth. So uh, yeah, parents like are obsessed with gummy vitamins yeah. and they're like, oh my God, great. My child is finally excited to take their vitamins, but gummy vitamins are not good for their teeth. So they get stuck in, in the child's teeth. You want to do a chewable vitamin okay. or, or, you know, just avoid the gummy stuff. Halloween is coming up. This is perfect timing to be discussing this. If your child is going to have something sweet, obviously we want to, you know, limit that, mm -hmm. but the chocolate and the ice cream is actually better than the gummy sticky candies because, you know, the Skittles and um, Laffy Taffy's, like all that kind of stuff, although it is, you know, tastes good, it is not good for our teeth because it gets stuck in our teeth and it just mm. sits there. So- you're killing me. Like I love Skittles. I don't even I care about candy, but I love Skittles. So this is sad for my life. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm like breaking hearts everywhere. Yeah. You know, things that even like cookies and crackers that your child is snacking on, those get stuck in the teeth. So it, I'm not saying that, you know, you should never give that to your child. Yeah. But if you can't brush after, at least rinse your, give your child water to yeah. rinse out. Okay. Or follow it up with something a little bit harder, like a carrot or an apple, something that can help get the stuff that's stuck in the back molars out. It's also about limiting the frequency. So when you continuously like bathe your teeth in, you know, acid, which, yep. you know, that's how you get a cavity. Basically the, you eat food, the bacteria breaks it down, produces acid. So just limiting the amount of times that you're eating and snacking throughout the day, try to just keep it with meals, limit Got the it. snacks. Got it. And that actually applies to adults too. Now I'm thinking about, you know, if you take a bite of something here and there, I mean, that's not just kids, right? That's everybody yeah, trying to limit, totally. you know, the snacks and all of that. And also the same thing, if I'm having a Skittle, okay, then if you were to have a bite of an apple after, it would take out whatever would maybe be stuck in my teeth or between my teeth. Yeah. Or like 
piece of hard broccoli, whatever you can get mm, to kind of help. Skittles and broccoli. Get mm, yummy. And then this is so, so, so important. If your child is young and having milk throughout the night in a bottle or is put to bed with milk in a bottle, you have to, have to, have to brush their teeth after. Milk has sugar in it. This is even breast milk. And a lot of parents don't know that they need to be brushing their teeth after. So, you know, they wake up for like two times in the middle of the night to give a bottle and then they put their child back to sleep. The caveat is that, you know, you do have to be brushing their teeth. Wow. And I doubt most people do that. Yeah. I think that's hard because you want your child to be relaxed. They're just like probably sleepwalking, feeding their child. But once they have teeth, especially once kids start eating solids, yeah. the bacteria in the mouth change. So the combination of, you know, solids and either breast milk or formula or even milk, you know, that makes them susceptible to getting cavities. Okay. I'm not sure many parents will like to hear that. That's a tough one. Okay. Wow. I could totally relate. <laughs> yeah. Look, you get it. So that's why I think it's, you know, I appreciate the fact that you're a mom because you understand kind of the difficulty of I'm trying to put my kid to bed. They're relaxed with the milk. Now I have to wake them up and freak them out with the whole flossing and, you know, toothbrush. When my daughter's teeth came in, I was like, no. <laughs> Not <laughs> teeth. You, just, you yeah. know, when I give her the bottle at night, like, it's like, that symbolizes like, you know, okay, she's falling asleep. Soothing. She's getting really tired. Sometimes she will literally like fall asleep on the bottle. Yeah. And then I have to like kind of wake her up to brush her teeth again, which is hard, but I know that it's better than the alternative, like getting into a situation where, you know, she gets cavities and then we have to treat those. So absolutely, prevention is everything. Yep. Okay. So that absolutely helps us. Speaking of prevention, my mom has been arguing with dentists about forever. X-rays. Obviously, as a 32-year-old woman, I try to keep myself away from radiation. I know that growing up, my mom wouldn't have me do it every dentist visit because she didn't want all the exposure. How do you feel? Are they safe for children? What are your thoughts on this? Okay. So we see this all the time. Dental x-rays are absolutely safe for children. First of all, we always use the minimum amount of radiation. Technological advancements have made dental x-rays so safe. They're digital, they're high-speed processing. We use, you know, shields and coverage and a dental x-ray is less radiation than the background radiation that you get from your day-to-day -day normal activities. We'll only take them if we see something and if your child is due. So we want to make sure that we are detecting for any cavities in between the teeth. And that's something that we can't necessarily see, you know, just with the naked eye. So that's why we have to take those dental x-rays. And most kids get cavities in between their teeth. You know, just because you don't feel anything doesn't necessarily mean you don't have a cavity. Like I hear often, oh, well, like, you know, I don't, I don't have any pain. So like I should be fine or like I shouldn't have a cavity, but it doesn't necessarily work like that. And obviously you want to treat, you want to find cavities early. It's much easier to treat them when they're smaller, which is why we recommend coming every six months, you know, x-rays six to tw every six to 12 months, or maybe even later, we won't take them unless it's, you know, it's unless it's necessary, but yes, we do need them. Okay. Look, I'll report back to my mom because this is something that she, you know, argued with the dentist forever, but she obviously saw the importance of it, but 
I appreciate that. It's like, how often do you actually need one? And are you just doing it or do you need to do it to make sure things, you know? I have two more questions for you, kind of going back to speech and language. Obviously, I'm a speech therapist. We see a lot of tongue and lip ties. I get written in about this. I get DMs probably four times a week. And how, you know, from a speech pathologist perspective, it impacts your child's ability to stick their tongue out. Obviously, latching onto the nipple, sticking out their tongue, articulation difficulties, including so much more, reflux, drooling. I could name, you know, thousands of different symptoms. What is your opinion on fixing a tie? And when do you typically suggest parents, you know, go look into this? Is it right away or is it a month in? What are your thoughts on this whole subject? This is like such a hot topic Mm -hmm. and like something that has, I feel like this was not a thing when we were kids. It was not. It was not. So, you know, I will say that I do think there's a little bit of like overdiagnosis going on with the tongue and the lip ties. Like they told me when my daughter was born that she had a tongue tie. She's completely fine. Like it didn't impact her ability to, you know, breastfeed or bottle feed. So, you know, appearance alone is not sufficient for us to do anything. Yeah. Um, at, at least from a pediatric dental perspective, yeah. you know, unless it's severe, okay. you know, obviously there are instances where it's not even a question that right. it's interfering with, you know, you, your ability to pull the lip up, protrude, elevate the tongue, those kinds of things for the young infants, breastfeeding and feeding in general is such like a complex, there's so many things that go into it and it does take time to, to learn. So if, you know, I would say, I always like to consult with like a lactation specialist, but if there's no pain on breastfeeding and no difficulty feeding, then, you know, just because someone says, oh, there's a lip tie, tongue tie, doesn't mean we necessarily have to do anything about it. So the, you know, we have a lot of parents coming in all the time saying, oh, you know, the, the pediatrician or the, the doctor said that there's a lip or a tongue tie but there's no impact on their ability to feed successfully. So it's like, why, why do anything about it? You know, with the older kids and, and the speech difficulties, that's where, you know, I'm like calling you and I'm like, I want you to evaluate this child's speech. I mean, the evidence shows that, you know, tongue ties doesn't impact speech delay. Yeah. But I know that it can, you know, impact the ability to make certain sounds. Absolutely. And I like how you said that. There is a difference between a delay and actually articulating or producing the sound. You know, making a TH where you're sticking your tongue between your teeth, that could happen. It just, your child might have difficulty because they can't protrude their tongue. But it doesn't mean that they're going to not speak and have language goals achieved at a certain age because of the ties. Right. And and when I have an older child, the thing about an older child is like, if you release the tongue tie, that also requires you to like maintain the release because the tissue can relapse. So you have to do those, you know, physical therapy exercises with your tongue that I know a lot of kids struggle with. And you moms know? do. Yeah. They put gloves on and they have to stretch out the tongue and the tissue. And we teach it to a lot of these young parents and these newborns are, look, it's important, but I think that's something parents don't realize. There's exercises you can do before and after the procedure that if they're not done, like you said, it relapses. It's a hot topic. I don't know if there's a perfect answer, but I really like how you said, like, look, look into it. But if there's no difficulties, for example, feeding, swallowing, drooling, 
pain, if there's no major complaint from parent or child, like you said, I think it's kind of like, don't jump on it. You know, don't just take one person's opinion, maybe get a second opinion. Yeah. I think it's so like person specific. And I mean, you and I can agree on this because this is something that's like relatively new over, you know, the last few years or so or decade or whatever. There's ongoing research. Like there's not a universal agreement as to how tongue ties, lip ties affect feeding and there's such mixed results. So I think, you know, it is a team approach in, you know, how to treat tongue tie, lip tie, relying on you. I'm relying on the lactation, lactation. consultant. Yeah. Like, it's, it's more about the symptoms rather than the appearance alone. But I mean, I what is nice agree. is that a lot of times like to release a lip, uh, tongue tie and lip tie now is, you know, is really simple. A lot of times we can use use a laser, like they don't need local anesthesia. You don't have to go under or anything it's nice in that sense. And it's not necessarily invasive at all. So if your child does need a tongue or lip tie relief, like it's so not a big deal. But I do think that there are, you know, a few factors that need to be evaluated before just, you know, showing up, having it done. Cutting the tie. Yep. Yeah. Function exactly. over just appearance, which I think can go for many different, uh, you know, topics and just things in your field in general. Okay. One more question for you. Again, going back to my life, thumb sucking versus using a pacifier. Another hot topic. I'm really throwing them at you. Uh, I had braces for many years. I saw my orthodontist. She's a very good family friend. I was then in speech therapy for many years, probably why I became a speech therapist. I sucked my thumb. So then my teeth protruded out. I had a big space. It was cute, but it was not something that my parents wanted me to struggle with as I aged. One of my nieces, we just got her to stop sucking her thumb. One is six, seven months old and barely uses a pacifier. But do you have an opinion on thumb sucking versus pacifier use? Thumb sucking is a harder habit to break because pacifier you can just get rid of. You can't chop off a kid's thumb. <laughs> but you know, there's, there's only so much say that you have as a parent in whether or not your child is going to choose a, your, their finger over the pacifier. What I will say, non-nutritive sucking is an age-appropriate behavior when, when they are one, two. We want to think about weaning it by age three in order to not see effects on the teeth. And it's hard. It's, this is something that's so much easier said than done. There's a lot of ways that we, you know, can go about that. With the pacifier, some parents prefer to just go cold turkey and, you know, donate it to the pacifier fairy. I know, like, it's it's also an easy fix when a child is welcoming another sibling and you donate your pacifiers to the younger baby because only babies, you know, use pacifiers. But age-appropriate and most children will stop it on their own between ages two and three. So you want to give your child a little bit of a chance to like, you know, decide that it's not for them anymore. If it's something that, you know, the child is approaching age three and they're still struggling with it, there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can go about cutting it. So, you know, there's certain weaning systems, parents like to just cut the tip, but there are also a lot of families that prefer to just like talk to their child about it. You know, when they're around age three, they have an understanding of 
the effect that the pacifier can have on the teeth. Like you said, it can cause certain malocclusions. Um, and especially when the permanent teeth start to come in, that's when we really see like the irreversible effects of the thumb and the pacifier. We use sticker charts to try to like motivate kids every day that you don't suck your thumb or use the pacifier, you can put a sticker. And if you go a whole month without sucking your thumb or your pacifier, then you can come in and get a prize from the dentist. And a lot of kids are motivated by that and you know, want to stop. So it's also natural. Like when kids start school, they just kind yep. of stop it. Want to, right. Yeah. Cause like, you know, it's not something that other kids in school are doing. It's also about progress. So baby steps, maybe this, maybe you have a child that is using their thumb or the pacifier all day and all night you want to decrease it. Maybe you're just going to start using it for naps or at nighttime, you know, praise them for taking those baby steps right. and for making progress. Absolutely. And look, for me, I sucked my thumb until a very late age. My parents basically had to pin my quote unquote dad's dirty sock. I doubt it was my dad's dirty sock to my long shirt. And I then would put a thumb in my mouth that would have a sock on it. Um, after a few weeks, it eventually stopped. With one of my nieces, we use a natural quote unquote nail polish and you just put it on her finger and it tastes really badly. After about three days, she was done. So there's more things that you can do now. Yeah. I mean, she's also- That, that nail polish, the Mavala stop. Yeah. Yeah. Some kids, some kids are like, Ew, this is disgusting. I'm done. Other kids- bite through it and are like, I don't care. Yep. I'm going to keep sucking my thumb. Exactly. So every child is unique. You have to see, there's not a one size fits all. Absolutely. And again, I think what you kind of said um, and how you just have an open conversation about it, as well as going back to the whole brushing the teeth thing, be the model, be the representation for your child. If you want them to learn great speech, articulate proper speech. If you are brushing your teeth, be the model for them of how to brush your teeth, like how you and your husband do. Same thing for pacifier versus thumb. Mommy and daddy don't do it when we go to bed. And it's not about shaming your child. It's just having open communication. Don't underestimate. Your child can understand you and understand what you're trying to tell them. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was fabulous. I know you would mention, if you don't mind again, telling us the two practices that you work for, how can everyone find you in New York? So you can find me uh, online. Okay. You can Google my name and my practices are Happy Kids Dental, um, Manhasset, Brooklyn, and the North Fork, and then Bright Healthy Smiles on the Upper East Side and Soho. You can follow me on Instagram, Linnell, and you can reach out to Andy and she can, you know, feel free to send me any and all questions. I'm so happy to like meet you guys and answer anything. Perfect. And I will be doing that. I already refer to you, but for all of our followers uh, and listeners who are in New York, you are the one to see. So thank you so much for coming on, Sarah. This was absolutely perfect. Thank you so much for listening to the Talking With Tata podcast. Please subscribe and follow along wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever that may be. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Talking With Tata and our website, talkingwithtata.com.